Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles Podcast. We are in week number five of the college football season, and I guess uh, I'm going to invite my good buddy Lane Brady on to co-host with me tonight. He has not got fired yet, so welcome, Lane. What's up, man? What's up, Chuck? Son, How are you? Little, you sound a little tired. Is the happiest place on earth a tiring location to go hang out, Chuck? <laughs> Look, I am exhausted. I'm not even going to front with y'all. We went to, we left Friday afternoon about 4.30, and we got to Orlando about 4.30 a.m. and checked in the hotel, because we drove like morons, and then we got up at <laughs> at 9.30, yeah, but snake one, we got up at 9.30 a.m. to go to Hollywood Studios, we didn't leave there until 9 p.m., and then for some reason we went and ate, and Watched the game on TV and uh, didn't go to bed till about 2 that night either. So, it's been a long weekend. But I'm happy to be back here in the big city of Purvis talking with you, Lane. How are you? Yeah, they say they say Disney World's the happiest place on Earth. But is Purvis the happiest place on Earth, Chuck? My bed is the happiest place on Earth right now. There you go. <laughs> so, I will say that. But I did. It was the first time I'd ever gone to Hollywood Studios and... Uh, if you've never ridden the Tower of Terror or the Rock and Roll Roller Coaster, unbelievable. Like, unbelievable ride. So check it out if you ever get the chance. See, that's what I was about to ask you. What was your favorite ride? And then Tower what was your favorite of, food that you ate? Tower of Terror and the Rock and Roll Roller Coaster were, were just phenomenal. Um, and I'm going to be real. My favorite thing, food-wise or intake-wise, was Coke Zero, dude. Because I drank about 50 of those things while I was there. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Well, uh, Lane, uh, you have a guest uh, for us tonight, and I can hardly wait for you to announce who it is. Yes! We keep the dad jokes going <laughs> another week, people. I'm proud of you, Chuck. I'm proud thank of you. Thank you. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's the delirium. Yeah. So, I've got a guest on tonight, Harley Warren. I've known Harley for a good little bit. So, welcome to the show, Harley. Thanks, thanks. Glad to be here. I think it's been what eleven years, Lane. Yeah, something like twenty eleven. Yeah, something like that. We were uh, Harley and I were equipment managers together at Southern Miss back in the day. So okay, we uh we made some road trips together and witnessed some really fun years at Southern Miss, and then witnessed one really horrendous one, didn't we, Harley? <laughs> yeah, I went from uh. A twelve and two season, my first year, to one and twenty three, my last two years. Wow! As an undergraduate student at Southern Miss, so, uh, you know that that was fun. Harley. Hashtag, thank you, Ellis Johnson. <laughs> yeah, and thank you, Ellis. He is uh, Harley's one of the rare people who you were. So you were an equipment manager for three head coaches. Uh, at Southern. Four. I was Fedora, Ellis, Munkin, and then when I came back, it was Hobson. 
Okay. Yeah. So now, what does an equipment manager do per se? Oh, I mean, well, I as a, yeah. Go ahead, man. As, as a student, you know, you you help run practice. You're you're assigned to a coach. Like I was assigned to safety, so I would just set up drills, um, just kind of do whatever the coach asks you to do. Spot footballs, catch footballs. Uh, you know, do a, a hundred different things at practice. Uh, you know, load up the truck, uh, unpack the truck on road games, set up the locker room. Uh, me and Lane uh, were ball boys. I think me and you were ball boys the night that you, we lost to UAB in 2011. I think we were on the UAB sideline. So, oh yeah, I, w- I was definitely so, over there. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was us two on their sideline. It was just a uh, Really bad night. <laughs> very, very cold night, too. Yeah, it was cold. There but, was like 25 people in the stands, and we lost everything that game. So Everything. Yeah. But, you know, we're ball boys. You're laundry, jerseys. Okay. I mean, pretty much everything except calling plays and playing <laughs> on the field. That's kind of what equipment managers do I gotcha. uh, at the college level. Awesome. Yeah, it's a, a lot. lot of responsibility. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a just, lot. We've been yeah. chewed by college coaches too, haven't we, Charlie <laughs> or Harley? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I I've been chewed out by by quite a few Division One coaches. Oh yeah. Who was your Who was your favorite coach? Uh, hmm. Probably Dan Dish, just because he was the easiest to make fun of. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't tell you some of the things uh, that that we would. He, he had a, a very nervous tick. Yeah. He really liked to say a word that started with F. I gotcha. And once he started saying that, and he was mad, it was so much fun to to mimic. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta know Harley, guys. That was like the minute he said, "Which one was your favorite?" My my mind immediately went to which one did Harley make fun of the most? That was his favorite. So. <laughs> Harley, who was probably the most demanding head coach you worked for? Probably Munkin. I mean, I was there the one and eleven year, and then he was—he didn't care that we were zero twelve or that you know it felt like we had twelve people on scholarship and nothing but walk-ons. Now he he treated every day like it was you know we were playing for a championship that week. He was he was very demanding of equipment and the players. And obviously, it eventually worked out. I wasn't there in 2015 when they went to the conference championship, but uh, you could tell, even during that really bad year in 13, that he was he was on to something. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Harley, we got a couple questions we like to ask all our guests. The first one is, why are you an everyday eagle? And I guess the easy answer there would be, you know, your experience working for the team. But I, I guess my curiosity is why did you choose Southern Miss in the first place to go spend your time and effort to work for the football team? Uh, well, it's probably not a very popular answer now, but uh, it's Brett Favre. <laughs> oh. My, my, <laughs> yeah, I know. My, obviously, you know, him being from you know, Southern Miss, being from South Mississippi, my dad loved him in the 90s. So, of course, since my dad liked him, I liked him. And he went to Southern Miss. So we started following them 
Um, you know, I, be- I became a huge fan in 2004 with the TCU game. Uh, I was in seventh grade, and we actually had a field trip to Southern Miss like the- a day or two before that. So uh, they wouldn't let us on the field because that was before we had turf. So they were painting it ready for a TV game. But seeing, you know, the crowd and tearing down the goalposts and just, you know, all that stuff with that game. Uh, from when I was in seventh grade, I knew I was going to go to Southern Miss. You know, I don't know how I was going to pay for it or what I was going to do as my major, but I knew I was going to do something uh, in Hattiesburg. Absolutely. And uh, Harley, I know the answer to this, but can you tell the listeners here, uh, you had some other experiences as an equipment manager too, right? Yeah, before uh, before I got to Southern, I worked at Mississippi Gulf Coast for two years. Uh, then I was at Southern Miss as a student for three seasons, uh, two of them with you. Yeah. And then after that, I was an intern with the New Orleans Voodoo of the Arena Football League um, in their last season of existence. So I helped bring down that program, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm sensing a uh, a trend here, Harley. <laughs> it was a rough – well, then when I went to the Saints in 2015, we had a 7-9 record. So from about 2012 to 2016, it was rough for, for your boy. <laughs> we owe Ellis an <laughs> it wasn't Ellis's fault. Hashtag thanks, Harley. <laughs> but after I left New Orleans, because I was there as a as a intern for a year, uh, I went back to Southern Miss. I was a GA for a year, and then I got hired full time um, in seventeen. So I was there for two years, and then my last equipment job was actually at McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, then that was during COVID, so we played in the spring. Uh, that was something, and I decided to retire from college athletics after that. So now I'm a, a teacher and a coach in George County, Mississippi. There you go. There you go. The man has been a lot of places and seen a lot of stuff. A lot of really cool stuff. I, what do you What do you around. coach at George County? Uh, I coach football and track. And I teach seventh grade U.S. history. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Harley, you've probably seen more. I would venture to say you've seen more in your, what was it, 10 years, I guess, of being a manager than most people will ever see in their life. I would venture to say, right? I, I have I have seen a lot, and especially counting practices and stuff. I mean, you know how the practices are. You see, you see a lot of stuff at practice. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think I've seen a lot. What was what was it like working for the NFL for the Saints? How, how was that experience? Uh, I mean, it's different working with grown men who have kids and families. Like you can tell, you know, it's football at the end of the day, but just the way they act at practice, the way they run practice, um, it's different than doing it with you know eighteen, nineteen year old kids who are, you know, just just trying to make it. You know, the guys in the NFL, they're they got a job to do. They're, you know, trying to take care of each other, take care of themselves. Um, practices are hard and they're fast, but they're also <clears throat> they're not as as crazy or intense as some of the college practices that that we saw. Oh yeah, no doubt. 
All right, and then the next question we like to ask all our guests is what it was your what has been your favorite Southern Miss moment? And that's going to be tough for you because you've been you've it, been it there is. for a lot of them, Harley. It, it was. I know I'd you have to pull a Chuck and name three or four of them. <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, you... <laughs> that's only because I'm a hundred years old. I have a, a lot of them. <laughs> um, probably the first one that comes to mind is that New Orleans Bowl against Lafayette. Uh, that was in 2016. You know, that was my first bowl game. And I, I was there in, for Hawaii, but uh, I didn't make the trip. So being a part of that bowl game and, you know, being in the Superdome and being in New Orleans for a few days, uh, and it was a really good game. Uh, you know, it was an actually entertaining game. So, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously winning, uh, in 2011, you know, getting a championship ring, you know, as, as a Southern Miss fan, uh, getting a championship ring, you know, with Southern Miss and your name on it and all that stuff, that's, uh, Something I never thought I'd do. Uh, so those two are probably probably the biggest. And the UAB win in 2013. Uh, that was my last game as an undergrad. And you know, not thinking we were going to win a game until I graduated. Uh, winning that game was, was very rewarding. Snap that long losing streak, too. Uh, the, the fight song in the locker room was, was something else. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned New Orleans Bowl. Can you give us a brief rundown of bowl game season for a manager? How crazy is it? <laughs> well, the New Orleans Bowl was the best because that was like the first bowl game. Uh, but we played in the Independence Bowl in 17. So that was after Christmas. So, you know, you're practicing. You know, school lets out what? early mid-december at southern yeah so uh you're practicing throughout all that you're practicing after that you have to pack a truck um instead of for one game you're packing it for a week so you're bringing pretty much an entire division one locker room and equipment room into an 18 wheeler right you've got to you know double check everything because Shreveport, Louisiana's, you know, four or five hours away. If you forget something, you know, it's awfully hard to get a replacement. So you got to double check everything, pack all the trunk, set up the new locker room in the Independence Bowl, um, go through all the bowl festivities. You know, equipment managers get dragged into all that stuff too. So you got to make sure everything's done right there. Um, you know, it wasn't a flight, so we didn't have to pack a plane or anything, but you know, getting stuff on the buses, getting stuff off, you know, it's it's a lot of work, um, you know, for those bowl games, especially ones that are, you're practicing at home for like, you know, a week or two after school's let out, so nobody's there. It's just, it, it's a long month. Oh, yeah. So you're telling me the stuff doesn't just set itself up? No, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> um, you know, stuff doesn't just magically appear on the field. You got a bunch of hardworking kids who, you know, they might get a thousand dollars scholarship per semester, and that doesn't cover much at Southern Miss. Yeah. So these kids, you know, they're working hard. They're working for. They may get a few T-shirts and stuff, but. You know, they're working because they love football. They want to be around it. Some are coaches like me and you. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, so we know some people who are, you know, working bank. You know, you just you're around college football. You, you it's, it's just a good. It's really a good a good job to have as a college student because you learn so much. Even if you don't work in the football field, you learn so much about dealing with people and and you know working under deadlines. It's it's a. I'm very glad that that I did it. Yeah, I just remember from my time there, it was a it was a stressful job at times. There's a lot that's got to get done oh, yeah. in a short amount of time, and you know, like you mentioned, the money wasn't. You didn't do it for the scholarship. <laughs> you know, no, like the money. Right. There's other scholarships that's worth a lot more than that, but you did it just to stay around the game you loved. And most of the kids and- doing it, at least whenever I was there, and I can't speak to years that I wasn't there, but at least whenever I was there and hardly fell under the same category, as did pretty much all of us, it was all former high school football players who weren't quite ready to give up football yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. That was yeah. what we did, you know, and that was, that was our escape, I guess. And so it was, it was really good, good experience. So, and, uh, I can attest to it. Harley was one of the best. So I, I've met a lot of very good friends, uh, being a manager. So if nothing else happened, I, I met some really good people along the way. Oh Yeah. All right, with all that, guys, I feel like we could go a whole show talking about equipment management stuff here, but uh, (laughs) we do want to actually get to the game stuff. Hartley, we might have to have you back on to have a manager show or something, bring some of the other guys on and just talk about, you know, (laughs) what it's like to set up stuff. We'll tell some, uh, I guess, podcast-appropriate stories because we have a little bit of those, don't we? (laughs) <laughs> your uh, your te- your technical guy better know how to use the the sensor button yeah. if we get a couple of these guys on here. Been some, we see a lot of stuff, haven't we? But uh, <laughs> yes, but yeah, on uh, and off the field, absolutely. But uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and dive into this this episode here of the podcast. And obviously, guys, we uh, we know tomorrow's a bye week. We don't actually play tomorrow. Um, but what we will do is go ahead and post this episode this week so you guys will have a whole week to listen to it. We can go ahead and recap the two-lane game while it's fresh on our minds and, uh, you know, give you something to look forward to versus Troy. Maybe you watch Troy tomorrow and see kind of what they bring to the table. You know, maybe you try to find a way to watch that game and see some of these guys we're talking about and get an early look at our next opponent. But that being said, let's go ahead and dive into our Holy Cow segment. Holy cow. All right. And so I will go first here. And my holy cow moment, I'm going to pull a Chuck here and I'm going to pick two. Okay, Chuck. And I'm going off script, (laughs) guys, because I told Chuck I had one, but I'm actually going with two. Here's your first one. Yeah, baby. You know what that is, Harley? (laughs) No. <laughs> That's the bell coming back home, baby. It's also the Undertaker's oh. theme song. But finally, the bell. Holy cow, the bell is back where it belongs. So, and then the next thing I want to say is that obviously, guys, it was a blast seeing the bell come back out of the trunk right. and seeing our guys ring it for the first time in a while. That was fun. Um, so, but my holy cow players of the game uh, would be. The offensive line, okay? And I say the offensive line because 
Guess how many sacks our offensive line gave up last Saturday? Two. Harley? Harley was at the I game. This is not fair. So, go I ahead, was, Harley. Give at, us the answer. I was at the game, and I didn't even realize this until uh, John Cox said it after the game, but zero. We gave zero. up zero sacks last Saturday. Oh, well. So, that helps for Wilkie right there a whole bunch. Okay, we gave yeah. up zero sacks. Wilkie seemed to have all day to throw the ball. I don't even remember him being rushed. The guy could have eaten a sandwich and made a phone call and then threw the ball. Like, he had all the time in the world. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to these offensive linemen because I looked it up and all these guys played at some point last Saturday, according to the stat sheet they did. Uh, Bryce Ramsey from Gulfport, number 55, number 60. Coker Wright from Brookhaven. 64, Kyron Barnes from Fayette, Mississippi. 65, Jerquan Scott, Mobile, Alabama. 71, Paul Gaynor, Gaucher. Hey, now, happiest place on earth. Matt Riles from Purvis there. Purvis. Chug <laughs> the Viss making an appearance tonight. Uh, number 77, John Bolding from Spring, Texas. And number 79, Tykeem Doss, Aliceville, Alabama. He is an East Central Community College transfer. All those guys contributed on Saturday, and every last one of them contributed to a ball game that we gave up zero sacks. So my hat's off to you guys. Holy cow, offensive line. Keep it up. Keep it rocking and rolling. And so with that being said, Chuck, who was your holy cow player of the week? Well, I'm going to give it to Eric Scott Jr., who had a huge pick six. Uh, was that the fourth quarter? Yeah. It happened. Yes. It I mean, just, yeah, it was late. It was huge. Uh, you know, I think that lit the fire for the defense and, and, and the rest of the team to to finish out the game strong. So Eric Scott gets my Holy Cow Player of the Week award. Fun fact here, guys. Eric Scott has two picks on the season, both taken back for touchdowns, both in a critical moment of a ball game. Boom. So when the game's on the line, you desperately want them to throw at Eric Scott's. Or <laughs> his direction. Throw it over yeah. there. Yeah. Test him, please. So, fantastic season by Eric Scott, for sure. Harley. Who was your player of the game or players of the game? So, yeah, I'm going to give mine to the entire special teams unit. Uh, Briggs Bourgeois was perfect on field goals. Uh, Mason Hunt, who was our Heisman candidate, uh, still the best punter in the conference. Uh, I believe he had a punt inside the five. So, you know, that's field position battle, big time on that one. Uh, Jay Jones blocked a punt. And then Natron Brooks blocked the field goal that essentially, you know, led to the win. Right. Uh, we also, Chandler Pittman recovered the onside kick. Uh, so special teams, uh, I mean, they were perfect. On point. All night. Yeah. Harley, do you remember a ball game that we played in, that Southern Miss played in, that had a similar vibe to this one and that the special teams kind of took over? Like, the other team was immensely talented, and everybody was all fired up about this game, and our special teams kind of took over and changed the game. Do you remember what game I'm referencing? I mean, it had to be in 2011. Yeah, uh, I put you on the spot here. Do you remember what game it is? <laughs> Hint, it's one nah. of the ones you talked about earlier tonight. Damn. 
TCU. No. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> UAB. The Houston game against uh, yeah, uh, Houston. That Houston game against Case Keenum. Remember, we blocked a punt. I think we blocked two punts. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, that was a big game. No, we. Those were game we like changing had, things. I think we led the nation in like defensive and special teams touchdowns that year, didn't we? Yeah, it was it was impressive, to say the least. So. Fun stat for you guys. This tells you right here just the importance of what our special teams did the other night, okay? When you look at the overall yards, Tulane got more. They had 451 total offensive yards compared to our 253. They had they had almost 200 yards more offensively than we had, and we still win the ball game. That's how important special teams can be to a football game. You know, they can turn around. As Luke Johnson would say, punters are people too. <laughs> Specialists matter. Too. And, uh, and so, yeah, big game, big night for the special teams. I totally agree with that, Harley. It was, uh, it was, it was just unbelievable watching our guys go out there and just show out on special teams. It was fun. Have you guys ever seen a game where we blocked a field goal and a punt? I can't think of any. None come to mind. Honestly, none like, come to mind. Not, like, not even, not even Southern Miss. Just no. any game you've watched. Yeah, like none come to my mind. I do remember a big block field goal. We beat Troy. I think that was my yeah. freshman year in the New Orleans Bowl, and we blocked an extra point and yeah, and won the that. game by one point, I believe. And then obviously we had a couple block punts against Houston that game. I mean, it was just a complete dominance to block both. You know, mm-hmm. like it's almost unheard of. Like you said, Harley, that's it's impressive. Definitely they were playing impressive. with something to prove. Oh yeah, they were bringing that bell back. Sure, on. yeah, we're the broken the, bell. Yeah, the, the bell back where it belongs. If, by the way, if any of the listeners are welders, Will Hall might need to talk to you. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great <laughs> post game presser. So. Let me go over some of the uh, other notables here. Um, Leading rusher was Frank Gore. Uh, He had 16 carries for 44 yards. Okay, His longest uh, run was 11 yards there. He didn't end up with a touchdown. It wasn't his best performance statistically-wise. He did have some really tough runs that kind of kept us in the game until Wilkie was able to kind of get on, get in a rhythm there. Wilkie went 17 for 25 with 194 yards in the air and two touchdowns. And it appears like the job is probably Wilkie's because Ty Keys, from what I've heard, is out for a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so so is Swayze out for the season. So, you know, yeah. best wishes to him. And uh, I hate that it had to end like this. but uh, You hate it for both of them, really. Because they both had injury problems and they've both been impact players when they've been yeah. able to play. You just hope that, you know, you hope Ty's able to come back fully 100% whenever he's able to return and right. all that. And in the meantime, you hope Wilkie keeps it rolling, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Receiving-wise, Jacarius Caston was the, the guy. This dude is a stud, guys. Right. Just Caston, yeah. he is an absolute stud. He had eight catches, 91 yards, one touchdown. He had uh, 10 targets on the day. He is He's starting to, and I hesitate to even say this because I'm such a Jason Brownlee fan, he's starting to kind of be the guy you have to key in on a little bit. 
Well, Tulane very obviously uh, was telling our offense, hey, we're going to shut down Brownlee. You figure it out from there. Yeah. And and they did. Uh, Brownlee had a couple of good catches. He had that touchdown. But, I mean, they were they were bracketed on him. They had two guys on him. Um, and so other receivers, you know, they got they got some numbers. Step up. And yeah. I, I'm glad we have some depth at receivers so we can do that. You know who Brownlee reminds me of? He reminds me of what Michael Thomas was a few yeah. years ago. Like I could easily see Brownlee going to the league after he's done here and making an impact. That catch he made on the sideline and double coverage was unbelievable. He's oh. such a good athlete. Yeah. He is. And so Brownlee had three catches for 68 yards, one touchdown. He ended the night with a good stat line because all three of his catches were pretty explosive. He had six targets. Um. So that was kind of your highlights there. You already mentioned the special teams highlights. We already mentioned the pick six. So uh, we'll talk about some of our leaders defensively. Uh, Santrell Latham led the way with nine tackles. Uh, Malik Shorts came in second with eight. And Dalen Gill, your boy, Chuck. Yeah. He came in with with eight tackles also. He's going to have to step up big with Bozeman going now too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is, and so, um, and and, and he can, you know. The right. Oh, absolutely. Staff, they've been very vocal on how much they believe in him. So, you know, another one that had big day was uh Jalen Williams. He's an Arkansas transfer. He's from Tyler Town. He had a big day for us. He had uh two tackles for loss. Uh, one of them was a sack, and so uh, Armandus Cooley had a sack, and then Habas Avery Habas had a sack. Uh, and, and so we had several guys here getting a sack. Um, Kiwan, I think is how you pronounce his name. Number seven is that how you pronounce it. Kiwan. Q-U-E. I hate to mispronounce a guy's name here, but it's, uh, Dominic Kiwan. He, uh, he's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He had a sack also. So, uh, again, you know, we ended up the night with, uh, with four sacks. You know, and all four were from a different guy. So our guys were pretty active up front all night. Um, I've mentioned the, the tackle ears, just an overall great defensive performance there by our guys. You know, Tulane moved the ball on us, but Ben, but don't break. They they seem to hold their own pretty well. So yeah. are there any other thoughts y'all want to throw out there on this Tulane game before we move forward? Uh, really just – our fans, uh, if, if you take out the Tulane student section, it felt like we doubled up on their fans. Uh, the, two, the Tulane students came out, and they were very loud, but everyone else, I mean, they were treating it like it was Easter service or something. They were, they <laughs> were not excited. They, they did not care. Um, and our fans showed out. It was, it was loud. They were into it. it was, uh, I, I, was, I was very impressed with uh, Golden Eagle Nation coming out to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Chuck, what are your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I, I there's a movie out called White Man Can't Jump. They've obviously never seen Will Hall because <laughs> did y'all see Will Hall run into the end zone <laughs> and jump like eight feet oh, high? Yeah. I was impressed. He he was all kinds of hype. He was. I, I don't even know if he shook hands with their coach. As soon as the game was over, he was in – our corner of the stadium uh just yelling his little heart out 
And you know, how fun is that to see from Will very, Hall, man? Very. Especially after, like, you think back to the start of this season, guys. He had to, like, t- didn't he, like, take his Twitter account down at one point because our fan base was getting all over him after the Liberty game? I seem to oh, remember yeah. something like that happened. Yeah. And to I go from that, that yeah. to that moment for Coach Hall, man, that was just fun to watch. You know, uh, then the picture came out of him sitting in the locker room on top of the locker room oh, after the yeah. game. <laughs> having a I, conversation in, with the guys. I've been in that locker room, and it is very tiny. So that's probably the only place he could fit. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about it? He's trying to talk to a bunch of six foot four and six foot five guys. So, and Will yeah. is not six foot four. So, <laughs> you know, if he's going to get the height advantage, there's not many ways you can do it right there. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I just echo what you guys said, man. It was fun to see Coach Hall fired up. It was fun. I wish I could have gone to the game. We had a family vacation already scheduled, but we watched it on. You know, we watched the game. We watched the live stream of it. Um, It was just a lot of fun to see our fan base kind of unite behind this game. Social media seemed to blow up after the game with our fans going crazy, you know. Uh, And, boys, there's just something about seeing that bell get rung by the black and gold, man. There's just something about it. And even, like, you think about these current players, do you think guys like Frank Gore and Zach Wilkie and all these guys – you know, they they weren't really around when the Battle of the Bell was such a heated rivalry. Do you right. think they've been briefed on how big of a moment that was? Oh, yeah. I, I think that's part of Southern Miss lore. I think, uh, absolutely. I do. I do. Especially those guys that were in Hattiesburg when they beat us by 40-something points COVID year. Uh, those guys, they... they I, I I bet you they wanted this one. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I kind of feel like it's in the starter pack to come to Southern Miss. Like, oh, and by the way, we hate Tulane. We don't really yeah. like Memphis <laughs> either. We don't like UAB at all. You know, like, right. I feel like it's in the in the starter pack. You know what I'm saying? Like, but wait, we, and don't we try play. not to talk to La Tech. Yeah. Yeah, wait, we don't anymore. play Memphis and Tulane. Doesn't matter. Right. We still don't like them. Well, you know? like like, yeah. those, those are those are rivalry games, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I hope my hope here is that those players understood. If they didn't before the game, I think they did after. But they understood the weight of what they were doing for Southern Miss fans like us, who were around when the Battle of the Bell was such a big heated rivalry. You know, um, it was fun. I mentioned last week, Chuck. I was just excited to see the growth of our team from that butt whooping we took last time right. we played them. And boy, mm-hmm. how about that for some growth? We turned around, and beat them from a you know forty something point butt whooping we took last yeah. time we played them. Yeah. So just a lot of positive, man. I was I was poking my chest out extra big at work yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or on Monday we record on Tuesday nights, so. But on Monday, I was poking my chest out extra big at work, you know. Just you know, it's just a lot of pride involved in that win. So, great, and a lot more pride be involved. We turn around, and beat uh, Troy next, and we can pack out the rock and have some some buzz coming in here for this next game, for this next for home sure. game. So, y'all ready to turn the page to Troy? Let's take a look at Troy. 
All right. Let's start up the can't wait segment. Can't wait. And my can't wait for the Troy game is kicking off the Sun Belt era. I'm excited to see what we do in the Sun Belt. Brand new conference, brand new, brand new uh, schedule with uh, some teams that we've we've never played before. Some teams we played a lot, and I'm ready to see what we do. I uh, I, I kind of want to be Sun Belt's dad, so uh, <laughs> I, I hope that we uh, we start with Troy, a strong showing, and let's see what we can do. So that's what I'm most excited about. Harley, what about yourself, man? Uh, I'm really just excited to see if we can carry this momentum uh, from Tulane uh, into Troy next week. And then if we beat Troy, carry that momentum into homecoming against Arkansas State. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like I said, the crowd was crazy in New Orleans. And if we can get some of that energy back in Hattiesburg in a couple weeks after we win two games in a row... Man, it, it's going to be a, a very fun homecoming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. And and like you said, Chuck, new era. That's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun, man. And, and, hey, the conference is now wide open, guys. It is. Lafayette, yes. who is the favorite on our side, they've, they've dropped a couple, I think, early on that they shouldn't have dropped. It, it appears that our conference is wide open, our side is, so – Shoot, man! If why not us? You know, if 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 we could beat Troy, um, you know, and then beat South Alabama later in the year, you know, beating those two Alabama schools is, is going to prove a lot because I, I think those are two of the better teams on this side of the conference. Absolutely. All right, and then my can't wait. I'm going to look at some matchups here. I can't wait to see several of these matchups and see how they play out when we play against Troy. Now, obviously, guys, we're going to drop this episode right before Troy plays their next game. They're going to play tomorrow. They play, uh, let's see, tomorrow Troy will line up and play Western Kentucky. Um, And I hope they thump them. So, not a big Western Kentucky fan, obviously. But uh, Troy will line up and play Western Kentucky. So, we'll give you some stuff to look for, you know, if you want to tune in and, Watch some of that game. You can kind of know what you're looking at here. But Troy on the season, their points per game is pretty even between them and their opponents. They have scored 23 points per game. Opponents have scored 21. Uh, Rushing-wise, Troy doesn't run the ball very much. Okay, they play three games and they have 397 yards on the ground. All right, their opponents have rushed for 702. So Troy has lost the rushing battle most of their games. Um, so passing-wise uh, is a totally different story, though. Troy is slinging that thing, guys. They have thrown – they're averaging 343 yards in the air a game. That's impressive. Uh, compared to opponents averaging 209 yards a game. Now, they've only thrown for six touchdowns, but they uh they throw for a lot of yards and get down there and then it appears that they just punch it in on the ground once they get there. So um that's kind of the the story behind Troy. Um you know, some of their leaders that you're that you're gonna see here on offense, their quarterback, the leading quarterback is uh Gunnar Watson. He has a hundred and he, he's ninety-five for hundred and forty-three. So he's thrown the ball hundred and forty-three times this year. 
Uh, he's completed 66% of his passes. He's thrown five interceptions and five touchdowns, and he's averaging 312 passing yards a game. Um, so Gunnar Watson's their quarterback. I look forward to seeing – I can't wait to see if our defensive line can pressure him and, and force some more of those yeah. interceptions. Okay. Uh, it's apparent looking at the stat sheet, he does not mind turning the ball over. Just being honest, okay? Throwing five picks there. So, I look forward to seeing if our guys can uh, put some pressure on him up front. We have a – I think our defensive line is – about as close to a lead as you can get in Division One football, especially in our conference. So I can't wait to see our defensive line get pressure on him and try to force some mistakes. Uh, on the receiving end, uh, their leading receiver is uh, Barber, number five. Um, so he scored one touchdown. He has 308 yards receiving. Uh Tez Johnson's the second one. He has no touchdowns with 200 yards receiving. And then the touchdown leader of the receivers is Rajay Johnson, number zero. He has two touchdowns. So uh, receiving-wise, when you look at the stat sheet, it, it kind of they're, – they're pretty heavy up top with a few of those guys, and then it just kind of balances out. So that's their leading guys receiving-wise, number five, number 15, number zero. And then on the ground, uh, their leading rusher is D.K. Billingsley, number 20. And number 28, Kamani Vidal. That's their two leading rushers. Uh, they're pretty evenly matched, too. They both have around the same amount of – well, uh, Vidal has twice the attempts that Billingsley's had, but Billingsley's more the home run threat. He's averaging six yards a carry. He's had more big, long carries. Uh, DK Billingsley's averaging 20 or uh, 40 yards a game, whereas Kamani Vidal's averaging 37. So that's the nerdy way of saying, okay, that's the guys you need to be looking for when we play Troy. I think our defensive line is the difference in this ball game. I think our defense, uh, puts pressure on the quarterback and forces turnovers. I think our defense holds a rushing game that already isn't very, I don't know how do I put this, has not produced very well, and we are able to hold them at bay. And I think the defensive line has an opportunity this week to really take this game over. Breach. Yeah, we uh, need that too. Absolutely. And on the season, guys, Troy's played a pretty good schedule. They played Ole Miss week one. Lost 28-10. They played Alabama A&M, beat them 38-17. Played App State and lost 32-28. to And lost them and beat Marshall 16-7. to So, they haven't had any just crazy blowout wins or anything like that. But They, they should have beaten App State. App State beat them on that Hail Mary at the end. Yeah. yeah. And so, they've had, you know, they're, they're about – they're what, 500 right now? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. won two, lost two. Um, you know, the Ole Miss game's kind of a wash. They're a top 15 team. I hate to admit it, but they are. But, you know, it just kind of – when you look at them, guys, they're not a bad football team, but this is a winnable game, if you if you ask my opinion. I think it's a winnable game. I don't, I don't think Troy is that much better than what Tulane was. You know what I'm saying? So – 
I think it's pretty comparable. I think Tulane would be one of the better teams if they were a conference opponent. They'd be one of the better teams in the conference. I They're agree with that. Very, very strong team. Yeah. So it goes back to what you said, Harley. We just got to build off of what we've done because I feel like we've already beat a team that's just as good or better than what we're coming up against. So, and again, guys, this is coming out a week before we play them, so they're going to play another game before we play them. So that's about as even of a stat line as we can give you because they played the same amount of games as us. The stat line's going to look crazy after they get one more game than us next week. Do y'all think the bye week will help or hurt Southern Miss? Harley, you go first on this one. <laughs> uh, I think it'll help. I mean, you know, they after after four weeks of games, and then you know you have camp three or four weeks. So you know they've been going you know hard and heavy for eight or nine weeks now. So yeah, and I, I think a break is good. We need we need a break to start conference play. Yeah, I I think a break is good. I think it gives our guys a chance, especially after a physical game. The Tulane game was pretty physical. Tulane was was very big up front. Yeah, and there was very strong. There were some licks passed in that game. It was a pretty chippy game, an emotional game. I think it'll be good for our guys to take a step back this week and kind of get back to the basics and you know, kind of regroup and get ready for their next opponent. You know, so. I think in this case, Chuck, it helps. But I do I think, think the so. bye weeks sometimes have the potential to mess people up and get them out of rhythm. But I think our guys, it will give them a chance to kind of catch their breath after an emotional win and regroup and get ready to roll again and go do it again to somebody. So who who will be QB2 on the depth chart, do you think? Frank Gore. Trey Lowe. Or Fra- you think so? <laughs> Superback? Yeah. Lane, I remember the first first episode you said Superback was done. We wouldn't be doing that any this year. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I was, but, yeah. you know, so <laughs> I, think, I think I might have been wrong on that one. But, one yeah, die. I think Frank Gore's the next one. I just, I don't see Will trusting anybody else other than Frank in those yeah. moments. And so, yeah, I think we go back to super back if something were to happen, which hopefully we don't have to even worry about that. But true. Um. So yeah. All right. So y'all ready to dive into some pickums? Let's pick them. All right. Yeah. Good deal. This is my favorite segment because I get to act like I am Lee Corso and Kirk Herb Street on a Saturday morning. So we need Big and Rich to write a song for us to play. Um, so I think that's what we need. That's what our podcast is missing. Pate, get on that. They, they're breaking up, aren't they? Didn't they break up? Or that was Florida Georgia Line that ended. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I take one from Florida Georgia Line too if they want to sing us a song. So <laughs> maybe we can get Adam Doliak to do us one. He's a Southern Miss fan. Yeah, for sure. All right. So our first game. For this Saturday, uh, for tomorrow, actually, is going to be, it's an 11 o'clock game central time. It's the number seven Kentucky Wildcats traveling to number 14 Ole Miss. Both teams are 4-0. The spread right now is Ole Miss is a favorite by six and a half points. So, let's get it started off with Chuck here. Chuck, what do you predict will happen? Uh, I I think the Kentucky team is the real deal this year. I think they're right up there with Tennessee. I think 
I think this is, and I, you know, I may be booed or shunned or whatever, but I will say Kentucky or Tennessee gives a run for the championship this year, and the and the mighty, all powerful, God loving SEC. <laughs> all right, Harley, guys, let me just. I want to start this off with asking Harley this by letting the listeners know, if you don't know Harley Warren, you should know this. He absolutely hates the Southeastern coverage with a passion. Amen. (laughs) So it cannot be overstated how much this hurts Harley to even have to pick one of these teams. So Harley, (laughs) number seven, Kentucky, (laughs) number 14, Ole Miss. What is your pick? My heart says Kentucky because I hate Ole Miss. But if I was betting money, I'd probably put money on Ole Miss to cover that six-point spread. Oh, you think, think they're going to cover is, the spread even? Ole Miss is a good team. Uh, Kentucky, they're good. Um, I don't know how much I trust their quarterback. Um, I, I think I think Ole Miss can cover. I, Kentucky may win, but... You know, I, I think Ole Miss can cover that six-point spread. All right. Now, Ole Miss is six-point favorites, Harley. Favorite? Oh, I, yeah. I screwed all that up. I thought you said dog. <laughs> no, they're the favorite here by six so and a half. So, yeah. So, do you have much I pay attention to you and the SEC? So, right. <laughs> do you think Kentucky covers the spread? That's the question, I guess. You think Ole Miss is going to win? You said that. Do you I, I think- do. I do. Do you think Kentucky covers the spread? Do you think it's that close of a game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I guess I'm up here. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to pick Kentucky. Both teams are 4-0. But Kentucky beat Florida. That's a big deal to me. They beat Florida 26-16. to uh, now, both teams have had their fair share of playing teams that were not very good, okay? Um, you know, Ole Miss blew out Central Arkansas. They turned around blew out Georgia Tech, which how sad is that, right? You know, Georgia right, Tech bad. not too long ago was a really good football team. Um, Paul Johnson, miss you, buddy. Uh, and then <laughs> Tulsa. You know, they Ole Miss kind of had a little bit of a struggle win against Tulsa. When you look at the stat lines here, uh, Kentucky's quarterback is outperforming Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. Now, I think Jackson started out the year maybe in competition with somebody, so Kentucky's quarterback, he has more passing attempts right now just because he's had more reps, more, you know, snaps as the starting quarterback. But I think Kentucky's the real deal, boys. Uh, Ole Miss has more total yards, but I think Kentucky's the real deal. But look who they played. So, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss's offense has flexed a lot more over their games. They've hung a lot more points than Kentucky has, but that win over Florida is pretty convincing to me for Kentucky. So I'm going to say Kentucky not only covers the spread, but I think they win the game. So give me Kentucky in this one. All right, so our next game is number nine, Oklahoma State, at number 16, Baylor. Now, going into this game, Baylor is the two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, So, let's see here. Let's start with Harley. Harley, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I like Oklahoma State. I don't know why. 
I just Oklahoma State's kind of always been my Big Twelve team. Uh, you know, they always have a good offense. Baylor's gonna have a good defense. You know, they, they just are. But you know, with that spread, only two and a half. Uh, I like Oklahoma State. All right, Chuck. I'm I'm gonna have to go with Oklahoma State as well. I I, I don't think BYU can can handle them. So Chuck, do Oklahoma. you know somebody that's an Oklahoma State fan? I I I think my friend Tyler Jackson's grandpa. He's either Oklahoma fan or Oklahoma State, and I can't remember which one. So well, those I'm not are gonna, two I'm, very different teams. Very different, and I don't want to make him mad, so I'm not gonna say anything. So uh, Tyler, don't tell your grandpa that I forgot. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. This is fun here. The over-under is 56 total points here. So yeah, should be a fun game. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State here. Oh. Uh, I think Spencer Sanders and company, Oklahoma State's quarterback, I think they're not getting the respect that they deserve in this. Uh, they're number nine in the country for a reason. I think they're good. Uh, I think Baylor's getting a lot of style points here just because they played BYU really close, but they did lose to BYU. So, you know, I'm going to say Oklahoma State wins this game. It'll be a fun game to watch, I think. A lot of points scored, but at the end of the day, I'm going Oklahoma State. So our next game is number 22, Wake Forest, at number 23, Florida State. Chuck, go ahead. Florida State's just hot right now. Uh, and I think I just saw on Facebook where they sold out against the Gators for Thanksgiving or day after Thanksgiving or something like that. Um, but I, th- I think Florida State's hot right now, for sure. I'm going to go with Florida State. Florida State is listed as the favorite by seven points. Yeah. So, all right, Harley? I just... I just can't convince myself that Florida State is a good team. I don't know how they're <laughs> how how they've won the games that they've won. I know Wake Forest has a really good quarterback, um, and I, I like that seven point spread. So I'm gonna go with Wake Forest. Yeah, I'm gonna go Wake Forest too. Uh, the keeping scoring 45 points and going to double overtime against Clemson was enough to convince me that Wake Forest is the real deal here. Uh, Wake Forest is three and one on the year. Florida State's four and zero, oh, but Florida State's best opponent. Now they beat LSU in that thriller to start off the season, right? And yeah. then uh, you know they beaten Louisville, beaten Boston College, so they do have some impressive wins on their resume. Also, um, Sam Hartman versus Travis uh, Jordan Travis here in this one. I like Sam Hartman better. That's Wake Forest quarterback. Uh, did y'all see the uh, QB1 series with Sam Hartman in it? I did not. No. Okay, if any listeners out there watch QB1, that little series, Sam Hartman, I believe, was on the same one as, like, Justin Fields was. So, um, you know, it, he was a fun guy to watch on that one. But, yeah, I'm going to go Wake Forest. I'm going to go Wake Forest mostly because of Sam Hartman. So, all right. Our next one is number two, Alabama, at number 20, Arkansas. Harley. I really liked Arkansas. If they played last week, I'd probably go with Arkansas to at least cover. Uh, but then they go and, and kind of lay an egg against Texas A&M. 
So I don't I don't know what the spread is, but Bama's gonna cover it, so Alright. Chuck. I don't think Alabama's as good as they have been in the past this year. Don't do this, Chuck. So <laughs> my crazy pick of the week goes to Arkansas. Well, you know what, Chuck? You had a crazy pick of the week last week and you proved us all wrong, Chuck. Hey, what can I say? Listeners, I if you don't remember, Chuck totally called the James Madison upset over App State, and I have no clue how he did it or what he was thinking, but that's what he picked. Luck of the Irish. So, this game here, Alabama or Alabama comes into this game as a 17-and-a-half point favorite. Ugh, favorite, favorite. <laughs> I don't bet against Nick Saban. And it's pretty much treated me well to not bet against Nick Saban. Uh, uh. So I'm going to continue that trend and say that Alabama wins this game. Uh, I think they cover the spread even. So I don't think it's that close of a game at all. So uh, I've got a buddy of mine, Chuck. We always, you always like to mention your friends, right? So yeah, yeah. I got well, I got a lot of Bama Bama fan buddies, but I got a buddy of mine who's a big Arkansas fan and. I apologize. I'm not as nice as Chuck. I'm still picking Bama. Bama. But I do acknowledge him. He is our Arkansas. <laughs> fan. So, Lane. Yeah. Were you with us? Were you with us when we played in Arkansas? I think that was Munkin's first year. Yeah, I missed that game. I wasn't there. Uh, the pig suey chant might be uh, hell on earth. I was gonna go ahead and say it. Pretty it was brutal, awful. huh? Oh my lord! It was bad. It was really bad. It sounds it just, sounds pretty just, brutal on TV. Just hearing a whole bunch of Arkansas fans and stereotypical Arkansas fans just yelling "pig suey" for three hours straight uh, <laughs> just makes you want to play in oncoming traffic. So when do right. they? So when do they yell it? Like, what's the what's it, the tradition no here? Or, no rhyme or reason. Just yell it to yell it. I'm sure there was, like, after first downs or anything, but it felt like they did it after every <laughs> All right, well, our next game is number 10, NC State, at number 5, Clemson. NC State, or Clemson comes into this game as six-and-a-half-point favorites. Both teams are 4-0. and Chuck. I mean, I don't. I, like you don't bet against Saban. I don't bet against Dabo. So I'm going to go with Clemson. All right, Harley. Yeah, everybody wants NC State to be good, and I want NC State to be good. But it's hard to bet against Clemson. I think Clemson's going to win and cover. You know, DJ Uyagalale. Yeah, I said his name right. Yeah, he has really come on this year. You know, you were kind of starting. He was the number one quarterback recruit at one point for Clemson, and there was some there was some fear there for a while that he might end up busting. You know, like he he wasn't really being the dude that everybody thought he was. And boy, he's thrown for over a thousand yards so far and has ten touchdowns and one interception on the season. So he uh, he's come back in a huge way this year. So uh, yeah, I'm going Clemson in this one. All right, so our next game is the South Alabama Jaguars traveling to Louisiana Lafayette. We're going. We're getting into some Sun Belt action. 
South Alabama's three and one this year. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette's two and two. South Alabama comes into this game as nine point favorites. All right, Harley. Thoughts and pick. Is it at South Al or at Lafayette? It's at Lafayette. All right, this this is a big game for Lafayette. After losing to Monroe, losing to Rice, uh, you know, any chance that they have of having, you know, a, a good season up to their standards, I think it comes down to this game. Uh, I I think I'm still gonna pick South Alabama, um, but Lafayette, if they want to be successful this year, they gotta win this game. I agree. It, it does feel kind of like a must-win game. For them, you know. So, Chuck, what are your thoughts? I, I agree with Harley. I I despise South Alabama. Um, I feel like they're the LSU of uh Sun Belt Conference. You know, their fans think that they walk on water and are the best team ever. Um, so I'm really hoping ULL silences that. But on the flip side, I kind of hope South Alabama does win, so that when we beat them, it'll be that much sweeter. So I, you know, yeah. All right, I'm going to go South Alabama. I just, I think Lafayette is, um, I think they're kind of struggling right now. I think they've kind of fallen into a skid, and it's tough to get out of that skid once you fall in. I'm going to say Lafayette, I'm going to say South Alabama wins this game. Um, At one point, guys, Lafayette had one of the longest winning streaks in the country, and Boy, when it when it when they dropped off, they dropped off, and so I'm going South Alabama in this one. And our last game of the night to pick is Texas State at James Madison, the Dukes. This was Chuck's upset pick last <laughs> week, and he was a hundred percent spot on. I admit my error in calling him out and picking on him about it. <laughs> All right. And now James Madison goes from being the team that I laughed at Chuck for picking last week to being 22-point <laughs> favorites. There it is. This game at home versus Texas State. So, Chuck, go ahead. Who is your pick? I, I'm going to go with the purple again. I'm going to go with James Madison all the way. All right. Harley? I agree. Even if you if you said this was a twenty seven point spread, I'd still <laughs> go with JMU. Texas State is not very good. Right. JMU is hot right now. Yeah, JMU's three and zero. Texas State's two and two. So, um, fun little thing here. Texas State's quarterback Lane Hatcher. He was Arkansas State's quarterback last year. Uh, he's thrown for over a thousand yards. He has ten touchdowns and four picks on the season. So. Uh, there's potential there for Texas State to make a little bit of noise behind him, you know. Um, but I just I don't think it's going to be enough to beat James Madison. James Madison seem, certainly seems like the real deal this year, and like a really really good football team. So uh, they agreed. They're sitting about a hundred yards total yards over. Uh, what Texas State's averaging per game? They're set, they're sitting about a hundred yards less than what Texas State's averaging per game. It's just when you look at it, guys, it's it's pretty. The stat line leans heavy for the Dukes here. So I'm going to follow suit and say James Madison on that one. Also, I don't think they cover the spread though. Hmm. I will say that I think it's closer than 22, but. 
I do think James Madison wins the game. It's going to be a real shame when they, you know, play for a conference championship but don't get to go to a bowl game because of this silly transitioning rule. True story. Yeah. Or a shame whenever they whenever they go play for a conference championship and they lose it in Hattiesburg to the Golden <laughs> Eagles, baby. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all we got for the show tonight. Harley, it was fun, man. It was a blast. I appreciate you coming on. As always, good time to get to catch up with you a little bit. Uh, yes, thank you, Harley. I, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Side uh, side note before we go real quick, uh, Matt Walner hit his second home run tonight off of Ooh. Lance Lynn. Who, what a stud, man. Right? I'm excited to see what he can do with a full year in the majors next year. So. And Lance yeah. Lynn is an Ole Miss grad, so really it's like yeah, Southern yeah. Miss hit a home run on Ole Miss. Of, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is always a good night whenever that happens. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, Too bad it didn't happen this year and had a uh, yeah, we don't talk about that on the show. Harley. Yeah, that was that, that was an episode a long time ago. Harley. Yes. We've already went through we're this. Still, moved we're on. still in counseling. We're healing uh, still. Yeah. <laughs> but so, uh, thanks so much, Harley. We appreciate you. And as always, uh, thanks to Pate Thaggard for making us sound and look better than we deserve. Um, Pate, I think, I think a good way to end tonight's episode is to play some bells ringing as we go out but until we hear y'all next time as always southern miss to the top to the top ding dong ding 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 dong ding thanks so much for listening to this episode of the everyday eagles podcast for Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EverydayEaglesPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Touchdown!